Welcome back to Sworn Testimonies, a podcast where I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Today on the podcast, we'll be discussing the coronavirus. The World Health Organization has officially declared this strand of the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic. I'll be interviewing Dr. Anastasia Williams, who graduated from the University of Virginia School of Medicine in 1998. She completed her residency at Johns Hopkins and has regularly been voted a top doctor by her peers in both the Washingtonian Magazine and Northern Virginia Magazine, and has been recognized in the Guide to America's Top Pediatricians. Stay tuned on thoughts from Dr. Williams about the coronavirus, whether or not this is something we should actually be worried about, and what we can do to prepare. Keep listening. Just be honest. 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 Just be real. Just be told it's the only way to be free. Just be honest. It's the only way to be. Just be real. Just be told it's the only way to be. Dr. Williams, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're busy, and I really appreciate you taking the time out to educate us about the coronavirus. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Williams is also my mother, so if the conversation sounds a little bit casual, that's why. I have a few questions for you. I wanted to start with just asking, you know, what is the coronavirus or COVID-19? Am I saying that correctly? Yes, my Kiki, you are saying it right. I'm really tickled how you care what I think now about a medical subject. Listen, you're the expert today. I'm just here to listen and to learn. Um, I think this is great. The coronavirus, um, which is also known now as COVID-19, stands for Coronavirus Disease of 2019. It is part of of a family of viruses known as the coronaviruses. Um, Corona stands for crown, and it's based on how the virus looks microscopically. The coronavirus causes colds um, in people, but it can also infect animals. Um, It's been around for a very long time, this family of viruses. But what's different about this coronavirus is that that it is brand new. Our immune systems have never been exposed to this particular virus before, which means that no one has really complete immunity or protection from the virus. Most people who are exposed will develop symptoms of the virus. Well, let's say they will get infected by the virus. Many people, about 80% of people, will just have a mild cold uh, or a little bit more than a mild cold, but they'll completely recover. However, there is that subset of the population, um, particularly the elderly. Um, I always feel weird saying that because I'm almost in that age bracket. And uh, those with chronic diseases that are particularly vulnerable to it not just being an upper respiratory infection, meaning causing a cold and infection in the nose and the throat, but it can cause a lower respiratory infection, meaning that it can infect the lungs and cause pneumonia um, and even sometimes death. Yikes. Okay. So, you know, I'm an anxious person and I, you know, potentially could be a hypochondriac and I always think that I'm sick. How do I know if I have the coronavirus versus like a cold or the flu? Kara, I think that's a, uh, an excellent question. Um, 
And the reason I think that's particularly important is because it's really confusing out here about who should worry, how do you get it, and why does everybody care? Um, what's going on with the coronavirus is really about social responsibility. Um, so you ask, how do you know if you have the coronavirus? Like I said earlier, the coronavirus looks a lot like a common cold and most people will get over it. Um, but for those, for, where, for those people who are infected and have significant lower respiratory infection, meaning it affects their lungs themselves, they tend to have fever, cough, and difficulty breathing. So currently the guidelines are indicating, um, particularly the ones in our state, but I do believe everyone is looking to the CDC and we're receiving guidance that Patients who have those lower respiratory symptoms with fever, cough, and difficulty breathing, and who have been exposed to someone uh, a close contact, in close contact who actually has a verified, had a verified coronavirus infection, coronavirus 19, that is infection, or if they've traveled to an area with high levels of infection, those are the ones that are currently being treated, being tested. So of course, that means there are a lot of people who could be walking around with coronavirus and they don't even know it. But it's not, the fear is not that those people are going to die. That's not the fear. It's all about social responsibility and protecting those in our community who are vulnerable. And we know so far that it's the elderly population and those with chronic illnesses. So we all have a responsibility to try to um, quarantine ourselves or minimize exposure to others, meaning wear a mask if you have a cold or you're coughing or you're sick and wash your hands, um, don't touch your face in order not to spread it to those people who are very vulnerable. So you mentioned wearing a mask. It makes more sense for people who are actually sick to wear a mask, but if I'm fine and there's nothing wrong with me, is it really necessary for me to put a mask on my face? You know, there's airborne precautions and there's droplet precautions. When we talk about airborne precautions in that situation, that's where it is believed that if the droplets of the virus get into the air, then it stays in the air. And even though the person is gone, somebody else can walk by and breathe those droplets in and become infected. Um, so that is typical of uh, viruses that are extremely contagious, like the measles, that's uh, um, airborne, or tuberculosis, or even the chickenpox. You know, if you're in a room that someone who had the chickenpox was just in, you can get the chickenpox. Um, and for that type of precaution, it's more important, more appropriate to wear an N95 mask to protect yourself from getting infected or just don't go around if you know you're not immune. Um, whereas for um, droplet precautions, it's more a contact thing. You know, you have to be within three feet of the person. And what we believe with droplets is that the droplet from a sneeze or cough um, or the mucus of a person who has the disease has to actually touch the airway, the mouth, 
the, the nose or the eyes of another person. So it's not as contagious. Um, and wearing a mask uh, really benefits right now. We know for sure that wearing a regular mask, I'm not talking about the N95 mask that everyone's fighting to get a hold of out there. Regular Wearing a regular mask on the person who is sick will keep them from spreading their droplets around to all the people around them. Um, so wearing a mask is really about the person not spreading it to others. What's more important to keep yourself from getting it from other people is to make sure you wash your hands. Um, there are lots of videos now out on the proper way to wash hands. Um, soap and water is just fine for 20 seconds. People sing the birthday song and there's a lot of creative songs out there you can sing while you wash your hands, get underneath your nails and all in there. Um, and try not to touch your face. I've been most nervous about that touching face part. Cause you know, Kiara, I touch my face all the time. I'm very expressive and my hands go on my face, my eyes and all that. So we all have to be more responsible about trying to protect ourselves from getting infected and not making other people infected. Let's talk about the test. You mentioned that we should stay away from people who have actually been you know, in contact with the coronavirus, but how do we know if we actually have the coronavirus? Is there a test that we can take or like, how do I actually diagnose myself? You have to go to a place where they have the test and you have to meet the criterion for testing in your state. You're in California. I'm in Virginia. Um, I mentioned in our state, you have to have proven close contact or have, have to have traveled uh, to an area where it's endemic, where there's a lot of um, coronavirus. We are so privileged to live in a time of history where we have these genetic-based DNA tests the test that is currently being used and those that are being formulated are nucleic acid amplification tests or PCR, polymerase chain reaction tests. So what that means in normal English is that you get some of the sputum or the mucus and you take that mucus and you look for pieces of DNA from the actual virus itself. Whatever DNA is present in that sputum it's amplified, it's grown to a big amount so that it can be identified appropriately. It's a very sensitive test. It's a very accurate test. And it, um, most PCR tests or nucleic acid tests now with technology can take one to two hours to get the results. Of course, the drawback for us is this is a brand new virus. So the test had to be developed from scratch um, and then once it was developed, it had to be manufactured and distributed um, in large enough quantity to meet the demand for tests. Um, so a lot of, uh, and, and labs, lab technicians had to learn how to do this test. So um, while the test is available, um, and I know the CDC has been working with the state and even private companies like LabCorp and Quest to develop tests to make them more readily available. Unfortunately, we're still not able to give a test to just anyone who walks in who wants the test. Um, you have to meet the criterion. Of course, you know, that means that there are plenty of people walking around who probably do have the virus, but they're fine and they may not even know it. Um, I didn't explain how you do the test. It's a, like a, they use this uh, Q-tip-like swab 
that they put up your nose pretty far back in there and they move it around to take out some of the mucus. Um, and that mucus or, or secretion, whatever's up in there, anything that's up in there is, is um, put into a little tube with some solution in it, stored on ice and then shipped to the lab where they can do the testing. So all of this is terrifying to me. Um, I read online, and again, I know the internet is not the best source of information, which is why we're having this conversation, but I read that the fertility rate of influenza is about 0.1% and the coronavirus is like 30 times worse. Is that truth? Or like how many people are actually dying from this virus? So now Kiki, I think you said fertility rate, but I, I know you mean oh, mortality, right? That's okay. We know that about one in 1,000 people die from the flu. Um, the flu is a pretty serious disease. Um, we are very fortunate that we have a vaccine to curtail the number of deaths and serious illness for the flu. But despite that, people may still get the flu, even if they got the vaccine, it's not 100%. But we're able to keep the number of deaths down from the flu by making that vaccine. We encourage everyone to get it, but we particularly encourage high-risk populations that would be, for the influenza, that would be um, um, the elderly, uh, those with chronic condition, particularly people with things like asthma and children, young children. Um, so the vaccine protects them from dying. Even if they get the flu, they don't get as sick. And it is a nice way to keep the mortality rate down at 0.1%. Who knows what the mortality rate would be like um, if we didn't have a flu vaccine. In fact, I believe the um, influenza um, uh, pandemic of 2000, of, um, what year was that, um, of 1918, um, what, we had tons, millions, tens of millions of deaths because there was no vaccine for the flu then. Um, when that, and that's when that flu was new. Um, whereas with the coronavirus, again, we're finding so far that it's more elderly people and people with chronic disease, uh, diseases who are more likely to have a serious uh, or deadly outcome from the virus. Um, but because we're only testing people who are really sick, it's going to overestimate the number of deaths. We're not doing enough tests to actually get a true mortality rate for the virus. So what do I mean? Mm -hmm. If 80% of people get the virus and they're not even hardly sick, they just get a cold and they just quarantine themselves like the recommendations say, but they never go in for a test. You don't even know those people are positive. The only people we're testing are people with the fever and the cough and the breathing problems, people who have been hospitalized in the ICU, people who are sick enough to be at the hospital. So those people who are really sick are gonna be more likely to die. <laughs> um, I, I think what we're seeing now is, I think we're seeing a little bit of too much on both sides. I think, I know that some people are overly worried. Kiara, don't be overly worried. You don't have to be overly worried because most people recover from coronavirus 2019. But I also think there are people who are overly relaxed. I think it's very selfish to feel that because it's not that bad and it's not going to kill you and it's not going to kill your kids. Who cares? I'm still going to Disney World. I'm going out. I'm having a good time. I'm hanging out and I'm not worried about it. 
that's a very selfish attitude to have with social responsibility and um, looking out for those who, who, who are the most vulnerable in our community you should take it seriously. You should go out of your way to make sure that your kid with the runny nose in the car is not hanging out in the old folks' home. Uh, that's probably not politically correct. In the, in a, is, is not hanging out even with grandma. Um, we need to protect um, our vulnerable members of the community. This All of this about containing the disease and doing lots of tests, it's really about making sure we keep people who are infected from infecting those who could get really sick from the virus. Does that make sense? Am I saying too much? No, it makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, because I know it, you say it's a social responsibility to take this seriously, how do you feel about things like travel? Is it safe to be traveling right now or should we all be grounded the way that they're telling us, you know, to basically not leave our house and quarantine ourselves as are we panicking for no reason i think we should be grounded um that's just my opinion uh i think that um keeping people who may be infected and don't even know it from traveling across the seas would be a way to try to stop the spread of disease we need time we need time to develop more tests. We need time to discover more medications and treatments for this virus. It's brand new. We don't have enough information. There's still so much we don't know. So the fewer people we can have infected while we're trying to figure it out could, could save so many different lives. So grounding and quarantining and teen, teen, uh, quarantining, whatever the word is, and, um, and closing schools, it's about trying to stop the spread so that we can catch up and win this battle. It's like a team sport. Um, you know, it takes every member of the team to win. If some people are last a day ago, not doing their part, they don't care. It's harder to win. I mean, the people who are working really hard, who carry the team may still be able to make it happen, but let's play like, let's, let's be team players. Everyone needs to do their part. So, you know, these United flights are really cheap right now, and I was planning to fly to Hawaii with my sister this week, taking advantage of the price. Are you telling me that's not a good idea? Yes, Kiara. I saw, I saw that. I saw that text about y'all planning to go to Hawaii. Um, we can talk offline <laughs> about um, my thoughts. I do think it's better not to travel, um, but it's hard not to take advantage of some of the, I hate to say it, but the benefits of um, living in a capitalist society where now because the demand for certain things is higher, the prices um, is, is less, the prices are dropping. Um, so um, I think you have to make the best decision for you and your family um, and not just be mindful of yourself, but mindful of others. I don't necessarily know if I like that answer, but we can definitely have a conversation about it offline. So moving on, I've been listening to the news all morning and everyone is talking about how toilet paper is running out everywhere and we got to stock up on water bottles because drinking water will keep us from getting the coronavirus. Is there any validity to any of these claims or are people just going crazy? Okay, number one, this is a new virus. So anyone who comes out, particularly a lay person who has not done any research studies, don't really have a clue about um, 
coronaviruses in general, don't listen to them if they're telling you they know for sure how you can keep from getting the virus. Anytime you get a respiratory illness, so that's a cold, a runny nose, anything that makes you sick, even vomiting, diarrhea, all of that stuff. What's the number one thing all of us doctors tell you to do? Drink plenty of fluids. If you're not well hydrated, then everything is worse. You need to make sure you have enough fluids and water in your body to provide the support to your immune system to do its job. So water is definitely a great thing to do, but drinking water is not gonna protect you from the coronavirus. You mentioned that it is a pandemic. Remember, pand the word pandemic is just a word. It's a word that means that there is a serious outbreak of a disease, uh, not just any disease, but a new disease, um, with they say, with sustained transmission throughout the world, meaning it's going everywhere. So wouldn't you agree that this is a worldwide disease, an outbreak of a disease that's going area everywhere? It, you know, it is serious, but it doesn't mean it's going to kill everybody. You know, I agree with you. I think the word pandemic and pandemonia are just so close together. Yeah, it's that's hard true. not to see that word pandemic and not go crazy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But don't go crazy. It's not worth it. No, not for this. It's not the it's end of the been, world. I don't know. I, I feel like it might be the end of the world. Hashtag doomsday. Hashtag and explain something to me why do people feel like they need to stock up on toilet tissue what's the deal yeah. with that, that why I don't toilet understand. tissue i think i read online that people are just afraid that they'll be quarantined for like 14 days and will run out of toilet paper and a lot of people have gone to grocery stores where the toilet paper has been completely wiped out which is insane and then i also heard that movies like peter rabbit are being pushed back and I get it. I guess if people are afraid of being in big crowds, the fear is that they may not show up for the movie. But it just feels like everything is just falling apart. Well, I think you got to remember, it's heart. not that they're afraid that people not might not come. I mean, that's a big part of it in a capitalistic society. But I hope it's also that they don't want crowds of people to come. Because some people are going to come. Some people don't think it's a big deal. You know, we're hearing all kinds of stuff on the news. How, oh, it's just, uh, what do they say? Fake news. It's fake news. Um, and so there are some people who are not worried about it. But I do think it's responsible for organizations, universities, um, groups to cancel large gatherings. Uh, and right now we're saying gatherings of 100 people or more, but who knows, as we learn more, it may become even more restrictive. We've got to curb this virus to protect lives. In your opinion, do you think there's anything we could have done to prevent this outbreak? Um, I think that we could have done a lot more to control it. You know me, I'm a person that likes to prepare for the worst. I like to be prepared. I don't like being caught off guard. I mean, uh, part of what I do as a pediatrician is a lot of anticipatory guidance. You know, um, make sure you brush your teeth, eat healthy, don't jump on trampolines, wear a helmet when you ride your bike. There are definitely anticipatory guidance things that we could have done as a country um, and other countries too, we're not the only ones to curtail this um, infection so that it would not be such a pandemic. Um, one of the biggest uh, holdbacks I think is testing. Uh, again, you can't just blame uh, government 
officials for not being able to come up with a, 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 a test, an appropriate test fast enough. But I do think that there have been so many cuts to those parts of our government that are responsible for keeping us safe and um, planning for disasters like this, that when a disaster like this happens, we're behind because we're starting from scratch. And that should absolutely not happen in the United States of America. Um, we've been through enough things like the H1N1 flu or the Ebola virus around the world or SARS or March. There's been so many other instances of serious infection and disease. There's lots of movies that remind us of what's possible now that the world is more global and not local. You can't isolate yourself. A wall is not going to keep a virus away. They don't listen to the rules like that. They have their own rules. So I do think that we need to be more proactive in keeping ourselves safe and keeping um, the, the community safe and in keeping the world safe. So we definitely could have done more. It's so interesting that you bring up the wall. I actually listened to a podcast earlier today that talks about how we've been so scared of, you know, people and war and bombs and it's actually more likely that if something's going to ravish or destroy any of us it's going to be something like a virus that can be transmitted easily with travel and so i think it's just interesting the way all of this has played out it technology science has evolved so much further than a, than a lot of people realized some people are stuck in the past about the way we should be doing things and the way we've done things. Um, but this is an age of, of technology, um, computers, data, um, science, um, and creating new things. Uh, so I do think that biological warfare is a much bigger threat um, and manipulating science. I'm not saying that someone manipulated the virus, but I'm just saying that's more of a concern than um, someone coming across a wall, you know. Um, in fact, um, one of the things that really bothers me is when people call this virus the Wuhan virus. What do you get from doing that? Um, anyone can be, become infected by a virus. We absolutely should not try to describe viruses based on someone's race or their nationality or where they're born. Uh, when you start doing that, it creates a, a blame, a sense of blame about the virus. You're bl blaming that group. Um, some people who are not as well educated will target those people and think that they're bad or evil because it's happening or stay away from me because you, you might give me something. And it also causes a false sense of security. What we absolutely don't need now is for people thinking that because they're not, you know, from China, that they're not going to get sick. Um, it's certainly true that different um, biologics, um, different people based on their socioeconomic status or even some component of genetics may respond differently to the virus, but they can still get it. So I don't ever want to hear anybody call it the Wuhan virus. It's COVID-19 or the new coronavirus to okay. 2019. Well, speaking of, um, you know, myths, I did read online that Black people were like immune from this virus and that we haven't had any cases where any of us have died yet. Is that true? Do you know if there's any validity to that? It's a new virus. And what I will say is when 
when a virus starts in an area, it's the areas that people travel to that you'll see the virus spread. Um, we don't know if things like, you know, humidity or environment plays into the virus. We do know that most um, cold viruses, respiratory viruses tend to be worse in the winter time. Is it because they don't have as much winter in those areas? Um, is it because they don't have as many people visiting from those areas? And the other thing we don't have in those areas is a lot of tests. Are they testing any people in those areas? Without doing the test, you're not going to be able to accurately say if a group was affected or not because you can have the virus and not get very ill. Certainly countries that have a large, po larger population of elderly people, they're gonna have more problems with the virus. Countries where you don't have as many old elderly people where the life expectancy may be lower for whatever reason, whether it be nutrition or socioeconomic, what, what so have you, you may not see a big, a, a, a lot of deaths from the virus. There's still so much to learn. Um, and right now is the time for public health officials, the World Health Organizations, and every country's health officials, uh, official health officials to be working together to gather the information because this, inf this virus is gonna be with us for at least another year. Um, usually a new virus comes around and it kicks around for a couple of years before it says bye-bye. Um, and so we need to have a plan for the next winter season. And speaking of a plan, I know that it's a virus, and so antibiotics won't kill viruses. Antibiotics kill bacteria. You drilled that into my head growing up as a doctor's child. Is there any type of cure, or would it just be a, you know, some type of preventative measure that puts in place that we're putting in place? Currently, I don't believe that is a, there is a research-proven cure. A medication that's a cure, antiviral is what we would call it, um, that would kill the virus. Um, we're fortunate that for influenza, we now have Tamiflu, Oseltamivir, and there's so few other newer antivirals out there that can help kill the flu so that you recover faster. Again, this is a new virus. I know that several countries, China's probably uh, the furthest ahead in this, have been using some experimental medications to try to fight the virus, but we just got to wait for the data. So the answer to that, Kiara, is right now, we don't have a known cure for the virus. And antibiotics do not help. Although I will say that um, one of the issues you have with the viral uh, infection is that you start off with just the virus, but it causes so much inflammation um, and irritation to the cells in your respiratory tract that you are more, more vulnerable. You can become more vulnerable to developing a superficial bacterial infection. And so there are situations where it may be appropriate to use an antibiotic to treat the, the bacterial component, but it will absolutely do nothing for the virus itself. Got it. So basically what we've learned today is that Wearing masks and drinking water won't protect you, and I probably should not be going to Hawaii this week, even though I'd really like to, and you don't think it's the end of time. I'm still not convinced. I think the world could be ending, uh, but I do appreciate all of your wisdom and your knowledge. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Number one, social responsibility. We all got to be responsible and trying to stop the spread of this virus. And number two, 
when they come out with the vaccine for the coronavirus, please don't sit up there and say, well, it's not that serious. Anybody could get the virus. What's the big deal? As you can see, without a vaccine, it can be very serious. So protect yourself and protect your family. Thank you for having me on your show, Kiki. Oh, that was so professional. You are so welcome. You can come back anytime. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Love you. Just be honest. 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 Just be honest.